Welcome to Dream, Declare, Deliver with your host, Chris Garrell. Join us each week as we explore how to live a life by design by applying the tools and techniques of emotional intelligence and personal transformation. Here's Chris. Hello there, and welcome to Dream, Declare, Deliver. I'm your host, Chris Garrell, and this is a place where we talk about all the skills and tools uh, needed to create a life worth living. And in this segment, we've been focusing on learning to feel, um, which is the title of a new book that I have coming out in, in August, August 15th, um, and, um, is available on amazon.com. But if you want it for a discount, um, you can contact the publisher MSI Press. That's Mary Sam Indigo, MSIPress.com slash, um, uh, orders slash learning to feel and you'll find it there. Um, and, and you can get it at 20% discount, but I'm not here to talk about the book. I'm here to talk about learning to feel and, and the nuances around our understanding of what emotions are, what feelings are and how they are so beneficial to us in creating a life worth living. Um, uh, this this past weekend, I had the great fortune of of doing a workshop with a group of men um, at uh, something called the Granite Men's Gathering, and we were talking about, uh, in in particular, about uh, the warrior training and how um, warriors, uh, you know, most people believe that warriors are trained not to feel that they, you know, that they're numbed out or that they uh, objectify the enemy. Um, so that it's possible for them to do battle or kill, um, you know, as needed, um, and not feel the, the feeling of, of encountering another human being on the other side. Um, but that's not what warrior training is about. What warrior training is about is actually a sensitivity training to a heightened awareness of our emotions and, um, and the ability to stay present to those things that are going on inside of us because, because emotions give us a huge insight into how we're functioning, how we're thinking. So let me reel back a little bit, um, wind back to, to some basics, uh, around this. So first off, you and I and every other human in this world do not see with our eyes. We do not hear with our ears. Those are, we don't taste with our mouth. We don't touch with our, you know, feel with our fingers. Those are neural receptors. And all of that is translated in our brain. And so our brain is the great sense maker. It takes um, thousands and thousands, millions of data points through our retina, you know, which are just neurons um, sitting there receiving impulses. And it takes that mosaic and makes it into an analog picture that you see uh, and perceive on a daily basis. And it makes sense out of that um, based on what it knows. So the same thing is true with any input that we get, anything that is, is going on around us as we perceive things. The job of the brain is to make sense out of it. You know, if life is chaos and chaos is all around us, our brains are frantically trying to make sense out of what's going on. And how it makes sense is based on what it has as stored information, your experiences, the things that you've learned, the language that you have. The culture that you grew up in, the family of origin, all of those kinds of things are in the database, uh, if you will, uh, the stored memories of 
who you are and what the world is like. And so as you're perceiving things, it goes into that filtering system. It goes in through that filter. And then anything that you say comes out through that filter. So we're, we're not really seeing a fully accurate picture. Yes, you and I can look at a table and we can both say that's a table. This is a chair. Um, and, and we'll agree on that sort of thing. Um, but when it comes to the more complex elements of life, experiencing another person, experiencing a situation, knowing what's going on inside of ourselves or knowing how to react and what we want to do in the next situation, those kinds of things are all filtered through that, that sense making system called your brain. And that means that it's skewed in some way. It's, it's partially biased by what you have or have not experienced. If you've never seen, uh, a king cobra, um, or, um, uh, what's that red and black, uh, you know, uh, uh, snake that's highly poisonous or a water moccasin or something like that. If you've never seen that and you just see a snake, um, you don't know whether it's just a plain old garter snake or it's something that's highly deadly and, and, and could hurt you and you, you should run away and stay away from it. Um, you know, because you don't have that antecedent information. If you don't know, like, for instance, um, the uh, anthropologists tell us that the Carib Indians, uh, the people who inhabited the greater and lesser Antilles uh, in the Caribbean, um, you know, they they had no experience of um, humans with um, shiny chests and um, heads that um, were were you know, sparkling and shiny. They had no experience of canoes or boats with sails on the top of them, which they thought were clouds. So when the Spanish came on shore, the Carib, who normally were a very fierce fighting warrior type uh, population, were dumbfounded. And uh, it's said that that the Spaniards made sport out of decapitating just, you know, um, numbed Carib, um, as they came on, on shore, they, they would, they were found them easy victims and took over, uh, quite quickly. Um, and that's because there was no antecedent in the Carib's mind of what that was that was coming on shore. What, what, you know, were they gods? Were they, were they, I mean, they're extraterrestrials. They didn't have that word back then, but you know, they had no way to comprehend what it was. And so, um, and some anthropologists say they may not even have seen them. They may not even have perceived them because there wasn't anything in their minds that would allow them to understand what that thing was, you know, and, and so we're similar to that. We don't see what we don't see. We don't see what our, our brains aren't capable of seeing. So if we look interior, you know, to the interior of our workings, how our mind works, one of the best ways to get a clue on that is through our emotions and our feelings. All right. And so one of the things I was doing um, at, at this weekend was, you know, first teaching that cycle that we, we talked about before, how our beliefs shape our or cause our thoughts. And our thoughts are what cause our emotions. Our emotions then are perceived through our bodily feelings, the things that we feel as a result of our emotions. And those feelings cause us to act in certain ways. The actions then create results, which then feed back into what we believe to be true or not true about whatever just happened. 
All right. So there's this cycle of going around. And one of the men looked at me and he said, I am angry at my wife. And I thought it was because she just pissed me off. You know, she just did some things that got on my nerves and she did it on purpose um, or she, you know, whatever. But he said, I didn't realize that the reason I was angry was because I had a set of thoughts and beliefs about me and about her and about how things should happen and that she wasn't working according to those things. He said, I need to go home and apologize to my wife for copying such an attitude about her when it's actually me and my thoughts that were causing those feelings, you know, and, um, and, and later on, he came up to me and put his arm around my shoulder and he said, you may just have saved my marriage, you know, uh, in that one little thing where we're actually paying attention to, I feel this way. I'm angry. I'm pissed off. I want to go, you know, leave, uh, get out of here. I don't want to talk to you anymore, whatever. Um, you know, when he inspected that and got back to what the understanding was that was behind the emotion. He was able to see his part in that. So so when we say that the warrior does training on emotional intelligence and emotional awareness, what we're really looking at is how that warrior can use the the feelings that are triggered by the emotions. It can use that awareness in the in the present tense, in the here and now to say there's something inside me. There's something going on about me. Because if I'm in battle, for example, and I have a visceral reaction or I have some kind of uh, of emotional reaction to something that's going on, if my sensate, my sensing in, in the back of my head is off base because I don't understand what's going on, I don't have any antecedent thoughts about that, my thoughts and beliefs that are causing my emotion are causing an incorrect action. And so I will be doing the wrong thing. I may be reacting, reacting in the wrong way to this situation that may require something else of me as a warrior. You know, so what the warrior training is all about is learning to uncouple what the emotion is, what the gut response is to see what the emotion is behind that, what the, the thought is behind that and what the belief system is that's going on in there so that we know exactly much more accurately how to judge our feelings when we're in the heat of the moment. You know, so one of the, one of the stories I read once was that uh, um, a samurai warrior will spend upwards of 10 years learning flower arrangement. And while he is meticulously working on a Zen garden or a flower arrangement, or just getting that sprig of pine just right, or whatever it is, his master trainer comes up behind him with a sword and whacks him on the butt or whacks him on the head um, and causes him to pay attention in the moment because he needs to be totally sensorily aware of everything around him, 360 degrees around him all the time. Um, and being present in that way, being present to how his body is reacting, what he's doing, what he's feeling, and what are the thoughts. And, and, and when I say thoughts, by the way, I'm not talking about a cognition 
that is a sentence long um, or that something that is is that you're aware of. What I'm talking about are all subconscious. They're below the level of consciousness. They're down in here, but they're happening inside the brain all the time. Just like your brain is monitoring your pulse right now, your your stomach and your indigestion or your your hunger for lunch um, or dinner or whatever time it is that you're watching this, you know, your brain is monitoring all those autonomic functions in your body all the time. You're not aware of that, but it's doing it. And in the same way, it's it's having all these thoughts. Um, it's manufacturing emotions out of beliefs and thoughts all the time. So if we're off base with that, if we haven't trained ourselves to lear- learn how to be more accurate with our seeing, our perceiving, and our sensing, our emotions and our feelings are going to be off base. They're going to be eh, maybe a degree off, maybe 10 degrees off. You know, We might be somewhat close, but not quite accurate. But that can be a life and death difference. You know, I'm not a golfer, but Friend of mine uh, was a, a, a golf instructor, and um, and so we went out one time. He invited me to be on a, a what's called a scramble. Um, I'm dangerous on a golf course. I don't belong there. But you know, he he said, you know, like I'm co- I'm a coach, and I'll I'll coach you. And I said, oh, I'm very coachable. So, um, you know, so he had me hit a ball, and um, I'm strong and I'm big, and I hit it far, but I hit it far into the woods. You know, and and he said, so what I want you to do is just move your right foot one inch further forward. And I want you to I had a hold of my my grip here. He said, I want you to rotate your wrist just one degree, just a slight rotation forward. So now keep your eyes straight down, swing through the ball. And I hit it and it went straight down the fairway, right down the middle of the fairway. So what that says to me is that a one degree difference right here at the beginning can put you either on the middle of the fairway, 270 yards down or 200 yards down, or it can put you in the woods, you know, if you're off by one degree. The same is true of our emotions. The same is true of our beliefs and our thoughts. If we're off center, you know, where we're going to end up is not where we want to be. So the whole system of of training around emotional intelligence and around learning to feel is learning to understand that those feelings are an access point. And they tell you a lot about what your beliefs are, what your thoughts are um, going into this. So let's take a couple of emotions, um, some some ones that are common. Let's take, for example, love. All right, one of the one of the great emotions. Um, and again, you know, the emotion itself is a very complex pattern of of you know thoughts, beliefs, you know, all those kinds of things together uh, about who you are and who the other person is, or who um, you know, or, or how you are treated in the world, what you grew up with. You know, if you've never experienced love in your family of origin or from your mom or something like that, you may not know how to love another person. You know, if you've never experienced the warm feeling of of a sense of the divine or something greater than yourself, you may not know that you can trust the world or you can trust the universe 
um, because you've never felt that before. But if you've, if you've had that experience and that's just something that feeds into that whole complex thing called, uh, called the emotion, um, all those beliefs and thoughts that, that, that cause the emotion or manufacture the emotion, then the experience that you have, the feeling that you have is a tingling in your chest or in your limbs or in your groin or, or whatever. You may feel, um, attraction. You may feel, um, you know, uh, warm all over. You may feel flushed in the face, um, when experiencing first love or, or something like that. So when we feel that, what we can actually do is wind back to say, oh, that's the emotion love. What then is the belief and the thought that have manufactured that love? You know, love just doesn't come crashing upon us, you know, and, and I am sure that all of you have attempted at some point to love another person who didn't get it, you know, who didn't perceive it because they may not have had the context for it. They may not have had the framing for it, or they may not have been receptive to because of their belief system or that what's, what's going on in their heads. They may not have been receptive to what you were doing. I'll give you a very personal example. Um, when my wife and I first started meeting with each other and, and seeing each other, she worked at the corporate headquarters of a company that I worked in the Boston office of. Um, and, and we, we had gotten, met each other at a, at a national conference of the company. And, um, and, and so we had been in contact, you know, because uh, I needed things that, you know, for the work that I did. From her side, which was, you know, she pro provided all of the print materials and things like that, right? So at one point, she tells me that she told me that she was interested in me. And she told me that, you know, she was attracted to me. Um, I can stand here and swear on a stack of Bibles that I never heard that. I never heard it at all. And in fact, I thought I was being a stalker, being interested in her and trying to call her all the time. Um, and I was afraid that she was going to get, you know, put off by that. Um, but I never heard from her. And so I want to look at why did I not hear her gestures towards or her, her comments that moved towards love? You know, why didn't I hear that? Well, the thought process and the belief process that was present in me at the time was I'm not worthy of love. I, I, you know, like I had had a failed marriage and, and it was extremely painful and that didn't go well. And so I had learned a part of me was, you know, mm -mm, I'm not good at this. Uh, you know, I'm not worthy of it. And so that system was in play when she said something of a loving nature to me. I never heard it. And I will swear that I never heard it. And she knows that she said it. So, um, so imagine, let's extrapolate that then to being alive and, and working, um, in the world that we live in today, extremely complex situations that are going on all around you. And you're perceiving those things. They're going through that filtration system called meaning making inside your head. And that's, bumping into the beliefs that you have about yourself. Are you going to be accurate with the feelings that come out of, of that, out of the, that belief, thought, emotion sequence? Are you going to be accurate with that? Or is it going to be slightly a degree off center, two degrees, 10 degrees off center? You know, 
that's the question. That's the training that we need to do in order to um, better feel and understand what our feelings are telling us about our emotions, beliefs, and thoughts so that we can become more responsive uh, and more effective in understanding the other person. Um, because, it, you know, we're, we're not alone in this world. We're not solo actors. Um, if you're a hermit, thank you very much. I'm, I'm glad you're watching, but I assume that most of us are in relationship in at work. Um, uh, we're in relationships at home and we're in relationships with friends out in, in, in society. And so, um, we have to interact with other people. If that what I'm talking about is going on inside you. And if what I'm talking about is going on inside the other person that you're trying to communicate with or be in relationship with, how many degrees of complication does that make? What it means is that, you know, when it comes to communication, we're basically screwed. You know, we're, we're basically in, in a difficult situation because uh, of the, the, the meaning making that goes on inside of us, you know, so I perceive a situation, right? It goes in through my eyes and ears and my senses and it goes into my meaning making system. And I say, Oh, this means that. And therefore I'm going to say such and so. Well, my speech comes out through the same filter system that, that my perceptions came in through. Right. And, and of all the things that are going on inside my head, what comes out of my mouth is only a loose approximation, I call it, of, of what's going on inside my head. And it's a loose approximation because uh, my my mind has chosen certain words to use in expressing what it thinks is going on. Those words come out, go into your ears and eyes and so on, and through your filtration system and makes meaning, you know, inside your mind, in which case you respond by selecting certain words through the filter again and speaking them back to me. So we have here several errors of translation that are possible to happen. Now, most of our words we agree on. Many things that we say are simply, you know, I say there is a dog and you say, yep, there's a dog and, and, and we can get along fine and, 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 you know, we don't stumble and fall too often. But when it comes to the more complex stuff, you know, the really deep stuff, um, we can be off. We can miss it. We can not hear it. Um, we may, um, we may say something that lands because of the choice of word has a buzzword in it for somebody else that we're talking with and it lands the wrong way. You know, how many times have you been in a conversation with your partner about, you know, what we plan to do tomorrow? And then you get up and you start getting ready to go do whatever it was that that was. And your partner comes in and says, why are you doing that? And you say, because that's what we talked about last night. And you say, mm -mm, that isn't what we talked about last night. We talked about this. I don't know about you, but that happens to me a lot. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm so grateful that I have a wife who's understanding of that process because um, there are often times when we miscommunicate. We, we say things that we assume each other understands. 
totally. And then the, you know, when we go to take action on them, we're in different places on that. And, and, you know, what, what I find over time is the more time I spend with Sarah, uh, the more time we're together, like when we're on vacation, those error of judgments, those, those mistakes of understanding don't happen near as much as when she's busy at work and I'm busy at work and we haven't touched bases a lot during the day. Um, there's a lot of miscommunication in that. So with practice, we get better at aligning our understandings of each other with practice on learning to feel. The warrior gets better at judging the situation, knowing how to respond to the situation with practice on learning how to feel. You and I get better at learning what's going on inside of ourselves and how we can correct you know, rotate the wrist one degree, um, and move ourselves in the direction that we want to, to, to go. Um, if we're interested in creating a life worth living, part of the formula is knowing the inside of you and what it is that's really truly there. This past weekend at, at the gathering with the men, we were talking about legacy. You know, what is your legacy? What do you want your legacy to be? And when I talk with people about legacy, what they, what they, you know, the, the person they always wanted to be or how they want to leave this world or, or whatever, a lot of times my sense is it's just made up crap. You know, it's a nice idea. It's a really beautiful idea, but it doesn't track with who that person is being, you know, and how they're actually being on a day to day basis. You know, it, it's a thing that's a wish that's out there that they think is a nice thing to say and certainly is something to aspire to. Um, but it may be 10 degrees off a of phase from where they're at right now. And so what we were talking about in terms of legacy for each man was how do you understand more fully who you are right now and what needs to change in your belief structure so that you can end up not in the woods, but, you know, 200 yards down the fairway dead center on target for the legacy that you want to do. You know, that you want to have. So the cool thing about this whole practice is that this, none of this going on inside our head, um, none of that is iced in or, or set in concrete. It's all mutable. You know, if I used the example in the last segment about when I was a, a kid and I um, I thought I had done something wrong and bad and and I carried that memory, which was very vivid with me all the time, you know, all the way into my adulthood. And when I learned that that wasn't true, I had the opportunity to go back and change the script you know, to flip the script around so that I now understand myself not to be a, a, a nasty, angry kid, but rather a loving, caring person with full, you know, who's full of compassion and driven to do good things. Um, you know, that's, that's what's possible here when we're able to pull back the curtain on the feeling to emotion, to thought, to belief back, you know, reverse engineering what's going on right now into understanding what my belief systems are and are those belief systems serving me? Are those beliefs accurate? Um, are those beliefs, you know, things that we would defend? 
um, or stand on as we're trying to create the life worth living or the life that we have of our dreams. You know, we want to know what our beliefs are. You know, if I have a constant belief inside me that I'm not worthy of a life worth living, guess what my success rate would be? <laughs> you know, what are my chances of actually creating that life worth living if I think I'm unworthy? You know, so I need to rewrite that script. I need to rewrite that belief. And that means that I need to ha- to build new experiences of doing things from that place of being in compassion so that the more I, I, you know, act from my compassion and get results that, that show that my compassion has an impact on other people, the more I believe that I am a good person, a compassionate person, and the more my thoughts are going to direct emotions in that direction. So this loop of belief to thought to emotion to uh, to feeling to action to result to belief that cycle is something that we can use to reverse engineer and get back in touch with what our belief systems are so that we actually can have a more accurate perception of the world a more actu- accurate emotional response to the world, our feelings and actions are aligned then with that belief system that is more accurate and more appropriate for what we what we want to be as a, as a human being. And we're able to start engineering our life um, as the sole author of that life and somebody um, who's who's creating a life worth living for ourselves. So um, so that's it for today. I just wanted to kind of dig into um, why warrior training includes uh, emotional training and what's available when when you do that um until next time enjoy and um and you know live that life go for it 